Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scrapbook, the podcast about all things digital art. Today, I have the distinct honor of welcoming fine art photographer and Web3 denizen, Dub Zero. Hi, Dubs, and welcome to the show. GM, thank you for the for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, no, I was I was very much looking forward to having you, Dubs, and thank you for taking the time to to make yourself available. I, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I spent some time really digging into your work, doing the research, and just becoming more familiar with your work. And gosh, there's so much I want I want to ask you, and I have a pretty <laughs> extensive list of of yeah of question and and material that I like to cover. But let's start with with something much more obvious, right? Yeah which is you've built one of the most caring, supportive, and what I think is talent-rich communities on Web3. And I'm thinking of the fi- fine art photographers like Noah Addis, Heather Stout, Josh Fassbin, and many others. Like, how did it come about? And what's the secret sauce behind it? I don't, firstly, thank you. That, that's a compliment. I think, I think stepping back, the, the secret sauce, if there is any, was just being present in the space. And um, I guess I mean really present and taking time to align with, just appreciate other people's work and slowly work through the system and align with with work that you enjoyed and respected. I think upon entering the space, you can be a bit overwhelmed at the sort of variety of work, at the just how fast everything moves. And I think it takes a certain amount of time to, to dig through and quietly observe. And, and I think through that observationary process, you over a matter of weeks and months, I guess, you, you start to, to just connect and build relationships. And, and I think that, I don't know if there's any secret sauce, but I think it's that time and in investment in in each other and that sort of starts to develop relationships and I guess I have to say when I first joined and was really pretty clueless on a number of levels that there, there were a few reasonably well-known artists who for unknown reasons to me had reached out to me and said hey if you need any help or advice or whatever just hit us up in the dms or whatever it felt going back sort of 12 I probably shadowed the space for about three or four months before resetting up a new Twitter account. And th- there was a lot of talk at that time about just the community, the community. And I think for a new person coming in, you don't quite get it. But there was and is a very sort of unique and special aspect to community, I think. And I think there, there are a lot of different communities and they're all e- equally valid and equally important. And I think the more the merrier, really, because it's such a massive space and there's so many different things going on in parallel i think it's important to to see and be seen by having various groups does that answer your question (laughs) yeah no it does it does and now there's a feeling and i'm not part of the community but i'm on the periphery right as i know a lot of the a lot of the members right a lot of the artists which it's mostly artists right and but you know, there's a feeling of having your back, people having your back, and people rallying around a cause, a launch, a new product, a new collection, a new drop. It just has the hallmark of a just a successful community. It's got all the what I find in you know, all the necessary ingredients for a group of people coming together and really caring for each other. Like you say, in a space that could be overwhelming, could be disjointed, right, and uh, could be also very territorial and very, how should I say, it could be hostile for some people, especially the newcomers, right? I just found that the such a warm group of people and then it's it stands out it definitely stands out for me for sure thank you i don't think that's anything to do with me it's to do with the people and i think or what one would hope that a, a genuine sort of approach to 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 one's work and and how you approach other people is reciprocated really that's really i think the the fundamentals yeah. that thing about rather hang out with good people than assholes really is about yeah <laughs> about yeah where it's at i think when there's when there's there's a genuine appreciation for what people do and a genuineness in in conversations i think that's a good foundation for a good community yeah not everyone has to love everyone else's work or or necessarily be on the same page but i think there's there's an appreciation for everyone's work and yeah and so far so good and i think more than that the unless you've got sort of thirty thousand followers and you're flying I think there's a strength in visibility in community because, as you well know, we're sitting here at the complete whim of an algorithm that none of us really understand. For nobody <laughs> really knows yeah, if yeah. the work's being seen. I've seen tweets from people with twenty thousand followers saying, "Is anyone actually seeing what I'm putting out?" You know, I'm sitting here with seven hundred or whatever it is, and you kind of go, well, "We've all got problems." But I, I, yeah. I think. We're never going to make it. <laughs> so I, I think there's just a practicality to yeah. 
to this aspect, yeah. which, which in this instance I feel is very genuine. But it's we're all th- th- this is the thing, right? We're all actually in the same boat here. We're just a bunch of people interested in crypto, interested in the blockchain, interested in producing art and trying to get visibility and recognition for what we're trying to say in the world. And from that base point, I think it displays into millions of different ones. But essentially, that's what it is, right? And what's that thing? Why have enemies when you can have friends? But no, and I do see a sense of respect for the craft. Like you said, you may not like everybody's art or each other's art, but there is a fundamental respect for what goes into the work, for what, what it takes to really put out a body of work that reflects a lifetime of... Yeah, so I just I just watch it with admiration from afar. And, and it's just been very enjoyable getting to know some of the members of the community. Now, is, every, is it 100% artist-based or do you also have some collectors in no, the midst or um, it's, it's pretty, and that's the thing i think with launching something is you there's no control there's no utility if somebody's interested they get on board and i think i've been that's maybe the benefit right i think if you're launching a project with ten thousand avatars or whatever that that has certain ramifications and implications and i i just don't know how consistent you can get that group of people to be whereas i think the smaller group of people who've invested in something there's perhaps more more motive to to make it work yeah so, so and it's but i think it's it really comes as fickle as it sounds not fickle but as overplayed as it sounds it really does come down to the community and to people and but do you have other people other than artists or is it or is it 100 artist base no there, there are other people Okay. I won't go into detail, but it's it's open. You can't control who, who right. buys. It seems to be fo- like photography focused, fine art photography focused, right? Yeah, uh, photography, AI, bit of design. Yeah, it's really. I think what's come out of it is just that the, we curated this world on foundation, and I think it's very difficult when you're curating something which doesn't have a strong theme to it. Just you put a question mark there at the outset, but I think. Once you have a group of people who are all producing interesting work of a certain level, that almost is the curation. Yeah, yeah, it's been an interesting project, and I think the benefit really is just getting to know real people at the end of the day who end up being on your WhatsApp call list and who you respect and they respect you. And some of the people who are involved have been ex- extremely beneficial as collectors or supporters of each other and voices, bigger voices to to gain exposure to other artists and I, I think it's it's been a good venture so let's talk a little bit about the the concept of identity i think of identity as the key tenet of what it means to be human and with web3 challenging that role through the anonymity that an identity replacement that it offers what is your take as an anon artist on the consequences of such a shift yeah it's been something that i guess i, I for a while before jumping in but i the short answer is i think i really love it it answers it, it offers a phenomenal perspective change on how you can produce work within this new environment. And I don't think that it's at all countercultural to how things work in this space. It became obvious to me as an individual artist coming in that people were associated with certain PFPs, be it punks or whatever, from early on. And this was interesting to me and interesting that it's almost like a parallel world to IRL just speaking crypto at this point and I think it it gives one an opportunity to it, it really is the fun if you think of a metamask wallet or whatever there's no email there's no name it's an anonymous sort of way of doing things so I think there's a degree of relatability there with anonymity I think that the more interesting question is answer really is about how can you how does it help you with the artwork that you're producing? And for me, that's really where this, and I might say experiment quite a few times, but where this sort of artistic venture started to take hold is, I think my my perception from IRL commissioned work and really how much Instagram had pushed photographers to not only emulate others, but also really push themselves to the forefront of their brand and it, it went it went from photographers to creators to really somebody being hired on instagram based on their person rather than their work and i think self became a way too important aspect in the production of work where quality was equated to to self rather than to quality of work for good or bad reason for you know i think 
companies needing needing big marketing would go for somebody with 200,000 followers and I even I even remember seeing this on some websites where you could you could commission a photographer or a model or whatever based you could see their Instagram account on their profile like a statistic almost so I think the anonymity thing and venture in this regard was more about what if you remove remove that out of the equation does your work actually hold any weight? Being anonymous, it's a, it's a sort of litmus test of sorts, I think, where you can actually put stuff out and with no reference to your commercial work or anything else and see what sticks. I think that's been a really interesting, it is an experiment in some sorts, but it's also, it's a bit like a band going under a pseudonym and releasing an EP just because they're so bored of the parameters that they've set for themselves. And so they get extra creative and just go absolutely nuts on the side. Um, the, the, something special can happen in that space. So yeah, I, I, again, not sure if that's fully answering. Yeah, your... no, no, it does because in a way, it, it it allows the it allows for the work to to succeed on its own or right? its own merits. If there is merit to the work itself, without interference of the the persona or the, yeah, the artist behind it, right? It just it's really all about the work. But I think that yeah. that forces a discussion as to do you have something more valuable to say about what you're doing than, than the amount of followers you have. And it, it might fall flat on its face and who knows, but I think once you can, and that's another reason why I don't talk about location or really acknowledge specifics in the, in, in the works, because I think I'm not trying to talk about a specific place. I'm trying to talk about an idea. And I think the work and work should always be the focus and whether it holds weight or not, that's up to the judgment of, of whoever's viewing it. But it, it just seems to work within this Web3 environment. It seems like a natural fit. If collectors are anonymous and if you know a lot of people, why not create the space where you can just produce work and there's no link? It either resonates or it doesn't. And to me, that's quite a fascinating Thing in itself yeah because it's influence free it's free of the of yeah the perception of who might be of who the person is behind and maybe they have a certain clout in in whether on their social right which shapes the judgment of that of the art itself but i was curious if there's a, a side effect to that though meaning that with time does it does it create a false not a false a sense of perception right because now you're dealing with two it's two identities in a way right and does it create a perception of, of this secondary sort of, yeah, identity that it's taken life and now you manage in both? I was just curious, like, what that feels like and how it manifests itself and how you manage it. Yeah, I, I think it's actually easier, to be honest. And you've got the Web3 crypto world and you've got real life. If your question's based on work, I guess that's a different answer. If it's based on just life, you know, not everyone's there yet. And it, it doesn't say one day you don't make the crossover and... But I guess we'll get to that bridge when we get to it. But yeah, I don't see that as a problem. You see it more as an opportunity to create work in a certain space for this space. It's a different environment here to, to IRL. I think in, in, in many ways, we're not necessarily cre creating work that's meant to be printed sometimes. It's, we're, in a, we're in a different space. And yeah. I think to truly explore that space, I, I laugh because I think of that, that skit but I won't go there. One must. There's nothing wrong with embracing it. And I think like ex exploration and experimentation is part of the artistic process. And you only do these things insofar as they aid you to create work that you think is relevant. And if it doesn't work, you change your plan. You know, there's, your IRL will always be there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's an and, ultimate reference. So yeah. I'm not too concerned about that, to be honest. Yeah. And, but you find it easier to compartmentalize it, though, right? Say, so, no, this is my, this is the my, the art identity, and, and as you as you shift back and forth from one to the other, right? It, yeah, at the moment it's just the one because I think, <laughs> as we all know, we're yeah. slave to, to, yeah. to, to the algo. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. No, look, just to clarify, I think it's very specific to each person's individual stance and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to venture into the space and explore it. It's, it's not a it's not a one size fits all. It's not the hardest thing is building some kind of credibility and but again i think even in that process and we can talk a little bit about the thread gallery and the thread but it, it's a time consuming process of acknowledging certain levels of other people's work and i guess obtaining some degree of respect through that process but it makes it about the work and i think to me that's that's the more interesting thing because it's in such contrast to the platforms that make it all about the person True, true. 
Now, your work explores the relationship between man through his architectural output and the environment. And now, many artists have gone down that path, which, by the way, I think it's the most noble of callings. However, you bring in aesthetics into this conversation, and in a way, you force us to look analytically at the essence of beauty as, as applied to this relationship. And in a way, you make us rethink established conventions of what, uh, of what beauty is. What is your take on that? Yeah, so it's probably easier to go back before going forward, and that is architecture in, in, in inverted commas, I guess, because it's really about man's imprint on the environment. And I, I think have, having worked as an architect in, in various places and then photographed architecture, I think you become very, very aware of this of this relationship, both positively and, and negatively. And I think it's it, my venture into the work that I've put into the space is really, it, it starts where the, the commercial almost ends because I think there's a, once you're working on a tripod 12 hours a day and your photographs are pin sharp and they're beautifully retouched and you are being commissioned r regularly, you understand that zone equally you you know the level that you need to be producing work at but i think once you uh, you can start to then put parameters in place into how do we take this further and where do we go with this how do you actually it's the classic figure ground discussion at what point do you stop seeing the figure and see the ground and where do you how are you able to merge those two those two objects to a degree where it where it becomes thing to talk about, but also at the same time artistically aesthetic, and I think that's the that's the real the real interesting bit. Once you step away from just the, the slick work, entry photography, I guess, or narrative driven photography has always been quite. It's obviously visually very impactful, but it's not necessarily what you're going to put on your the wall of your living room. There there are obviously exceptions to that, of course, and I, I think immediately of. James always shot of the guy holding a, a petrol bomb about to throw it. And just this yeah. incredible image of both raw documentary and, and fine art at its highest sort of merge, merging point. By and large, I think in this space, you want to be creating work that appeals to people whilst simultaneously saying what you wanted to say. And you can only, or for me anyway, you, you can only start to have that discussion once you've finish taking all your sunset photographs and you've done that sort of stuff you, you need to now start digging a bit further and uh, yeah I, again probably spinning around in different directions but i think the stepping beyond the literal acknowledgement of architecture and the environment or man and the environment and trying perhaps as that stuff for me as a working with a working background in in that industry has become ground it now allows me to explore other things. The artistic credibility of the outputs and another discussion entirely. If it doesn't fly, it doesn't fly. But it's given me a base to to explore in an area that's particularly uh, relevant to me. And absolutely, I think everybody works from their point of reference and from their what appeals to them. And it, this is more about me trying to explore something that's been my inner workings for some time. Yeah, but in in a and in a way, it forces us to to rethink what is even considered as beauty, right? There's some I look at some landscapes, or I look at some some landscapes altered by man-made intervention, and you can easily write it off. It's I got such a scar. It says it's oh, it's so ugly. It's such a yeah. And then as you look at carefully, as you take it in, as you analyze it, you starting to you start to reimagine that, and and all of a sudden the idea of of beauty changes and alters, right? And you're saying there's something quite perhaps I don't know sentimental or romantic about this this particular landscape or this this sort of between a structure and land and and I found myself going through that exercise as I was I was looking at your work which which is what you needed to do you need to to force the viewer to think deep right and and yeah and I and, think that uh, yeah. this is perhaps one of the one of the sort of dilemmas within the space a couple of responses firstly a big shout out to ex lawyer who I think he, he said the work is ugly, beautiful, and shared it, which resulted in some fantastic exposure. But coming back to your point, I think there's sort of obvious ways of seeing things, and then there's less obvious. And in a space where we're looking at a sort of three by four inch screen or even smaller, and we're scrolling, it, 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 it's just not, you rely on a certain amount of curb appeal to, to get that inst instant hit. So you're inherently shackling yourself 
by putting work like this out because it, it, it relies on people to be going slower, to look twice, to read the description. It is not immediately evident. It's not it's not beautiful in the traditional sense. But it is what it is. And I think ultimately it's and, and, and I've had this discussion with many people. A lot of the work is actually not about what you see at all. It's about what you don't see. And this is a hard sell, right? And but in order to see that you you have to spend time. So it's a yeah, it, it, I come back to the word experimental exploration. It's it, 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 it's a venture into this space into how can you um visually and hopefully aesthetically present work that uh, says more than just what you see um, in a way that at least some people can respond to. Awesome, thanks. I'm curious to know how your pro- your landmark project, Scar Tissue, came about. Did it inform the exploration of the relationship between architecture and the environment, or did the theme itself inspire you to document and make it come to life? If you can share the details on the location, the body of time it took to shoot it, and everything in between, that would be awesome. I think, to be honest, the concept had been bubbling under for quite a long time. And it's, you travel to various places and things, and then you come back and you think about it. And I hadn't really been happy with how I had various sort of explorative bodies of work, let's call them, or different series of photographs, but there'd never really been a thread that I felt happy with that drew them together. And I'd been, I'd been as a child, we'd traveled to Namibia actually, and we got stuck into some of those completely abandoned houses in the desert. And I remember being quite taken by, by the scene before me, but also the sort of why had it happened and why had they, why they invested so much and then just left it. And we're talking about bowling alleys and the whole deal in the middle of this forgotten desert. But I, I guess with a bit of, of age and maturity, I kind of really feel like that, that story wasn't really, this idea of decay just wasn't really what I wanted to talk about here. And I think it, it became more an observation of the subtle. And I think, to be honest, all of this is rooted in perhaps a deep love for the environment as, as much as that isn't really shown compared to just beautiful landscape photography. If I can divert for a short sure, moment, sure. I was quite impacted by the work of a guy called Chris Jordan. And I probably came across it about 20 years ago. He, um, he'd been to Midway Island and he had he noticed that the all the baby albatrosses were, were dying and this seemed very strange so he basically cut them open and photographed them from above and the evidence within the birds was these just they were absolutely filled with plastic and bottle tops pen lid their stomachs were just engorged with plastic and what was happening is the adult birds were picking up the garbage from the ocean and without knowing it, feeding it to the small birds who were then ingesting the stuff and then dying. And it was a very confrontational set of work and quite powerful. And it went on into other things. And I think he did a short film, et cetera, et cetera. But not in terms of a direct relation, but just in terms of a, I hadn't really seen anything that graphic in terms of just what's happening to the environment and how in many ways we're not really taking care of it. So if you just park that thought and then come back to to, to the series, the sort of approach was what is happening around us every day that that we've become so so accustomed to and so blase to almost that we that we really don't see it. It, and it's completely, it almost doesn't register because it's such a necessary part of life. For example, getting water from point A to point B, it, it goes in a pipe, right? And it's as ugly as sin and it runs all through the landscape, but there it is. And for example, you go down to the beach on a beautiful afternoon and everything's perfect and the waves are great and whatever. But just there's this dot dashed light line on the horizon of massive cargo ships sort of moving up and down the horizon. And I think it's it, so coming back to the sort of man environment. It, it was more trying to really acknowledge these almost invisible things that are so subtle but that they're there, but we just really don't see them. And that they are just like little scars. And I think within the scar tissue series, the, as with all of the series, if I think through it, there's a progression from reasonably literal to, to really abstract. And I think within that, a, an appreciation by different people as to the different, the different pieces. But yeah, that, that's, it, it, 
Yeah. It's really, it, it was an, it, look, it was at the risk of lack of sales, I guess, from a commercial point of view to, to do work like that. But it just felt like something that I needed to 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 say. Yeah, no, pinpoint something extremely important, right? Because in a way, a lot of these elements are physically, they're large in scale, but they are, they're falling into the backdrop, right? Because like you say, we get used to it, right? It becomes part of the, just the backdrop of daily life, right? And they're just there, but we've taken them so for granted that in a way they become small, but they're not, right? They can be fairly large in scale, as I said. Yeah. And it's not trying to answer any questions necessarily. It's just trying to raise this and maybe say how many other things like this are going on just or not. It's easier to see when when there's a massive army or fires in, in, in California or whatever it is. And as devastating as these occurrences are, I think there's other stuff just happening every day. Yeah. Um, and the, now the work touches on a and what period of time? Is it a year? Is it two years? What? How long of a time span? No, that, that'll be a number of years, I think, from memory. Probably around six, I'd say. Six, okay. And it, about, maybe even longer, to be honest. Okay. And it covers all locations, like, meaning like different countries, or is it... Yeah, a, d- it, d- different, different continents, different countries. Yeah, it, I, I guess it, it, it's a curation in a sense, in that... You think something that's very important to me is that when a set is out, there's a really works as a set, as a body. And I love the sort of deco offering for that reason, because you can just see all the work just up as a block. I think that's important to, even though we're in a sort of collect one kind of hit single lifestyle, I, I do think it's important that the work really works as a set and perhaps that's a hangover from IRL but when you're submitting images perhaps to a magazine article or something that you really want them to be read in a specific numerical sequence to to explain the project or whatever it is you're talking about I do think some time in that space has just perhaps helped a little bit as to the importance of how you co-locate a set of images yeah and the fact that you can pick up on the theme or on the On, yeah, on the essence of the project throughout the world it speaks to, it's almost innate to the human condition, right? This relationship between man and, and environment and oh, the drive for man to make an impact on the environment with, with its architectural output, right? So it's a story that you can find all over the world, right? And documented yeah. accordingly. Yeah, and I, I think it's globally important, right? And also I think c- commercially for work to be to be relevant if you're living in some far-flung location or if you're living in the middle of New York or whatever, you you want something relatable. And I don't think, let's say, a mass European audience necessarily is going to go for something that's photographed specifically in a random country in Africa. So I think there's a, there's a question mark there. Obviously, I'm generalizing enormously. If you do a specific project on the fires and or the deforestation in Brazil or whatever, that's a different thing. But I think if you're making an artistic observation, I didn't feel the need that location was important because I think it's the same for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And it manifests itself all over the world. Absolutely. And the funny thing is the impacts that are that happen in one place are actually felt in other places. So they're, they're all right, so so shifting over to Invisible Suburbia, which is another one of my favorite projects there, which is really, it's a deep dive into the, what we like to call the middle, right? That that fills the suburban landscape of urban agglomerates. In a way, I feel like it's almost like a love letter to the mundane, right? The, that, we, that we take for granted. In a way, for me, it's like a meditation on men's ambition. And it's most importantly, the ramifications of those ambitions, right? What do you want us, what do you want us to focus on in, in that project specifically? Yeah, so thanks for highlighting that because it's a, it also had a lot of had a lot of pre premeditation and thought and the really I think I guess as with most photographic ventures it's I'm not going to say easy but it's relative if you're in an incredible location halfway up Everest and the sun's setting and you've got semi decent kit it's going to be hard to take a bad photograph of an amazing landscape you're sitting in the yeah. middle of the serengeti with a 450 mil zoom and you're on the back of a private jeep and you are there's a lion kill that's happening in front of your face you're going to get great shots and similarly if you are highlighting poverty in ethiopia or some atrocity somewhere in the world you you there's an attraction to these two extremes there's an attraction to the glamour and the beauty of the world and of people and everything else and there's an attraction to the to the kind of dereliction of things 
Yeah. And most importantly, it's much easier to get to the shot. It's much easier because it's so obvious what needs to be captured. And yeah, yeah. And it's, look, massive credit to, 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 sure, to sure. people on both ends of the extreme, not taking sure. people who are hiking for hours and people who are putting their lives in danger, capturing you know, the conflicts or whatever. Absolutely massive respect. It's It was more about an observation and it might tie back to, to architecture in a way, which I'll come back to, but just most of what happens in life is in the middle. It's not, you're not going to that ball every weekend and you're not, you're not skiing in Chamonix every weekend or whatever. It's not all of us. And so there, there is a middle and I think the middle, by and large, is is neglected. It's it's overlooked as just being the grunt that keeps everything else, the wheels that keep the world in motion, kind of thing, and the, the sort of day to day grind of just getting stuff done. It's so taken for granted too, right? And absolutely, uh, yeah. And almost there's nothing interesting really happening there. These are just this is just the stuff that fits in and gets everything else done. And I think the crossover with architecture, I think, is if you're given a limited budget and asked to do something, the real challenge is can you still create something beautiful within these parameters? And I think what I wanted to do with this set of work was try and put some very strict parameters on the frames and on what I was trying to do and then just explore whether within this sort of set of bookends there was something worth saying. And yeah, obviously it goes back to architectural photography and it's all flat shots, flat elevations, but you do start to see some commonalities in, in things like draw distances between supports and you realize that the middle can't afford a broader structure because it's too expensive. So there's always a three four meter what would it be six seven foot eight foot pillar coming down because it's just too expensive to go any broader so it really started to within this very small niche started to open up other more interesting observations and and really when you take some beauty out of this this observation really is i guess it's no deeper than that really not, I think it's fascinating because it's where we make the middle is where we make all the compromises, right? It's where we're gonna cut. It's where we're gonna cut down on costs because, like you said, there's so much of it. There's so much of it that it's needed that it's it becomes almost prohibitive to right to budget for or whatever. So it has to be fairly fairly doable, right, financially. And yeah. but I don't know. It's just but it's so subtle. But but in a way because you almost put it on an altar. You almost put it on a pedestal. And it really, from my perspective, looking at the series, it really made me think and really made me focus on the on, on the crucial role that the middle plays in the in the overall economy, in the overall architectural, I don't know, functioning of a, a society, right? And and that's when I well, that's what I was referring to when you make us rethink the idea of beauty or the idea of aesthetics, right? All of a sudden now it's it jumps at me in a much more in, in a much more important way than I would in, a, in just my daily wanderings around. And I don't know if it's the framing of the photograph, it's the if it's the I don't know what it is, but it certainly it certainly demands attention. It demands my 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 attention. Yeah, thanks. It, it, look, bookends went into without going into too much detail into the the lens choice, the parameters of the frame etc cetera, etc cetera, because this was all very important that they conveyed the same same narrative but if we take for example the tennis practice wall as a shot the fact that the wall is there but it's also being used as a place for people to do graffiti and it's also being used as a cricket now i know cricket has limited appeal in the states but it, it's also being used as a cricket practice thing it, that that image for me, without showing any human element, just really where lives are made, where, where people grow up in a sense. People are out, kids are out there, and this is the playground of the unseen middle that you know, that really forms the basis of, of an upbringing in some degrees. You, you, and, 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 it, it, it could be a picture of a kid riding a bike down the street trying to ramp off a little curb or something. It's the same essence, I guess. It, it's just trying to artistically highlight this, this concept yeah and done so so eloquently too and now Doug, turn so turning the page i was uh, i was thinking i was looking recently at the i think it's called the monochromatic concept scape of the future verse and with that project you, you throw us a curveball and change style completely venturing in i guess what looks like digitally constructed landscapes but the themes seem very familiar and the look and feel is very much on brand for you is the project an exercise in form exploration or is it just a way for you to play around with some new tools? No, ironically, that was actually my first step into to the space. 
and no and really oh i didn't i had no idea i didn't know that it was a i want to say a naive take but it was an outsider's imagining and this is pre everyone hopping into mid journey and stuff and it's not ai it's it's digitally modeled photographically filtered work but it's it was a venture into what might the metaverse be in the future? How might this world, this concept look? According to three sort of, I set myself three rules. And one was, so it's a set of nine, nine pieces. Each, there are three different, let's call them metaverse objects, buildings, structures in three different landscape settings. And so the future was a look into what, just hypothetically, what is the relationship between man and the environment in a futuristic metaverse that's layer number one but there's three of the so there's three shots of the same structure layer two was how that's the futuristic aspect it was just trying to combine past present and future so the present was can you frame and shoot this hypothetical landscape in a current contemporary architectural way and there are rules for how you not rules but certain guidelines i guess as to how you might depict a really good work of architecture and so each one of these three structures is photographed in those three ways and and then final layer was is there a historic kind of digital filter you can apply to this to try and hint at the past so it was a bit of a it was going all over the place but it was very much still a commentary on how what does a metaverse look like or what will it look like does it need a roof does it need square walls does it need to relate in any way to the environment is there an environment is the environment the design thing and the actual structure the undesigned thing it was just a real exploration within the reference point of my other work as to these topics and yeah i did feel so so it launched it, it was reasonably well received but I felt that the leap at that point between the photographic work and the digital work was too great. Although that one trick pony, the, <laughs> yeah. the thematics are all the same. But I do feel now that sort of, and, and again, we're talking within the context of this space, that the, the sort of AI is really coming into its own now in the space. And sure. I think the reality of what the metaverse as a brackets bigger picture could mean for the for how we engage with the with the world this is what 6529 is promoting all the time with the om it's just this incredible metaverse and i think there's so many questions around will our experience on the web change to be a metaverse based experience you i guess you, you would say we're on our way to it right I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes yeah eventually it's yes, probably yeah. changing right before our eyes and i yeah. think from our own experience of just hanging out in an online gallery, talking through work yes. um, with our with our avatars actually looking at the, we've had groups of sort of 20 plus people within a gallery walking around with, with visitors and collectors and other artists and actually a, as a group talking about the work. And right, which you couldn't do a, in real life because everybody's scattered throughout the world. So, absolutely. Every, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Some guy's woken up at 4 a.m., he's on his seventh coffee and <laughs> somebody else is about to go to bed. Yeah. But actually everyone's yeah. there together. Yeah. As you would be in real life, acknowledging the work, t talking it through, and it really becomes a new sort of reality in a way. And, yeah, um, but you bring up a great point, though, because you were saying when you were doing your explorations, you were saying, is there even an environment? So I feel like right now we're still designing to what we know, to the to the, the needs and the and the way we conduct life in, 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 in today, in this day and age. But yeah, yeah. in the metaverse, does it even rain, right? So therefore, do you need a roof on top of the museum, for example, the gallery, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you wonder what, like 50, 100 years from now, what that even looks like, right? What, how, do we, how do we conceive of a metaverse environments, right? Yeah, it's quite crazy in a sense, but I think this probably comes back to the onboarding of people into NFTs and everything else. I think there's got to be a degree of relatability within these spaces to, for people that aren't living inside their gallery every day. And Onsab has done an amazing job. Yeah, right? have, yeah. The, I think it's a matter of time, right? As time progresses, so you'll probably find these things take on completely different, unimaginable and I would think so. I would forms, think so. You know, 
as we all just become more comfortable with it. Yeah, it's fascinating. The real question is, is will it start to replace websites and everything else? Because I, th- I think that then we're into a very interesting territory on, on where are we really going in the future? And th- this might be a massive boost for, for the crypto space. There's a lot of, yeah, it's exciting. I think it's an exciting. Yeah, no, for sure. And so the Futureverse project, so that you're saying that was released before a scar tissue and an invisible suburbia, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, Can and we, it, it, it's okay. the kind of work I might, not might, you know, I'm working on sort of things in the background, but it's, I think just if I can quickly divert, I think oh, yeah, sure. all of us in the space and all the artists, you're trying to, to create the balance between, between art and saleability and recognizability. And there's a lot of stuff in the mix. And I, I think as much criticism as various artists get forced to explore, do these things and also see what works and what doesn't. Not there's, there's a commercial reality to living as a creative, which I think has to come into play for a number of people in the space. The market is just that it doesn't compromise your artistic integrity, I think. That's- yeah, 100%. Let's talk about RAM, which is run, Random Access Memories, right? Which is one of your landmark projects. What what do we need to focus on in that project? What do we need to take away from that project? Uh, for me, the, the takeaway or the... The, the appreciation, if any, would be that people could see a genuine sort of a cohesiveness to the work and feel something. And has I've received feedback that it is doing the jobs it needs to be doing. But I guess for me, again, it was it was a it was another exploration, and it was it was purposefully trying to mix the sort of IRL life experience with perhaps some kind of NFT-based aesthetic, if there even is such a thing. But it, it was purposefully trying to discard the traditional rule book and try and create a space of completely in between where you are, you really are just experimenting. But in that experimentation, trying to capture the absolute essence of what you're talking about. And I think, yeah, I'm very excited about that work. I appreciate not everyone gets it and that's fine actually, but it's a, it's a, it's a marker for me, and and I would hope that people see that it's not actually that far away from the other work. It's it's quite guttural in many ways. Yeah, yeah sorry, I'm, I definitely I'm to... no, I definitely agree with that. It definitely falls within the sensibility, the aesthetics, the art direction. It's uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It, it, I think it almost just has to be the titling of it and the names and the descriptions are important, as is the as is the set as a whole. I think it, as with the one thing I really wanted this to do as a set was to be able to almost be a mix and match. Mm. So you could take and the two collectors that have collected have both collected multiple pieces. So that's interesting to me because it, it I wanted it to be like that. Like you could take one from anywhere and one from anywhere else and they would sit together. And so to me, that aspect of the whole curation, let's say, of one's own work is super important as well. Yes, it's different on different sets, but I think just you want the work to be more than just one in how it's perceived whether or not it is held by different collectors is irrespective but you want it to work together as a body and you want to be able to arrange four or five or six or one or that was all part of the approach for this and equally it's a set of work taken for a number of years across different completely different locations from from france to new zealand and it's been it's been considered as to its makeup and its and its arrangement did so yeah does it's, that it's answer all, the original question sorry yeah it's and it's all about how it's put together right and and it does come together like pretty organically and to tell like one story but speaking of collectors though so your work is prominent in some of the i would say the best web3 collections out there can you speak a little bit about what it took to get there and the visibility wise mostly yeah look i think we could always do with, <laughs> with more visibility <laughs> but i i think nothing nothing comes quickly obviously yeah. and when you don't have a lot of followers you have to grind and you have to try and be seen yeah but i would not be aware of where I was now, I guess, without very specific people who've helped with that visibility. And I have to shout out to ex lawyer again because he did a post of my work, which was seen by 6529, which said, which he then collected five pieces mm. and that set off a trajectory of, I guess, recognition more than everything else. Sure, it is by recognition. Car, yeah. A, yeah. Amazing collector in the space, Anaconda, just a number of people who are highly respected as artists and collectors. Yeah. And I think in, in one sense, you can acknowledge individuals and there are many who have helped with your exposure. But I think ultimately that the, the, there's, there's people that you engage with on an almost daily basis 
who all know who they are. I'm not going to call them out, but they, they it's this continued mutual support, I think, which forms the basis of visibility here. And I believe it's almost fundamental to one's success to, to genuinely share other people's work and acknowledge their work and hope that it's reciprocated. Yeah, I think so. So I think it's a no real simple answer but through people actually helping you out really i think is because this is a big thing with the platform that we're using right it's a web 2 platform we don't understand the algorithm we honestly have no idea if anyone really sees our work other than the view count and the amount of likes which, that's correct yeah which is completely different depending on what time of day you post how many times you post who you may or may not tag it, it, it's a dark art in itself. So the whole thing is, and I think a lot of photographers are, and artists are quite confused by how best to deal with this. And I certainly don't have the answer, but I think as a base level, have, having people sharing your work and you sharing their work in a mutually respectful manner is right. is, is not a bad way to start. Let's say. No, and definitely addresses that unpredictability Im of the algorithm. But And for you, it comes down to it's the right kind of visibility, right? Like you said, maybe it's not 10,000 followers, but it's the right kind of followers. But I think it's rooted on the integrity of the art, right? Because it's you're not, you're not going to get the, the following or the, the respect of the serious collectors if there wasn't a substantial, by substantial, I mean in quantity, but in substance, right, of, of, of a body of work, right? And uh, and the right collectors, they, they know what's up, right? So they know, yeah, yeah, no, so for sure. But obviously, listen, your work, like I said, it's in probably some of the top collections in, in the space. I was just curious about your take on what it took to get there. But you're right, it is about, it is about, grinding it out right it is about sharing portion and the right person comes at the right time and and shares some of the work right and the right eyes see it right and and that's where it speaks to the commitment you just have to be there day in and day out and just grind it out right until the right eyes and the right person gets to see it and then it clicks yeah and i think with within that scenario also being aware that in, in my case and in many other photographers cases photography as a genre is is not the only kind of work in the space and there's a number of other subgenres of work all which is appropriate and very good yeah and so not only are you trying to be acknowledged within your genre but there there are other genres all competing and shouting out for for attention which i think that that's just the reality of the world and irl and everything else but i think it forces you to ultimately i guess just make sure that your work has more depth yeah i agree i agree so from my perspective i find the experience slash exhibit aspect of digital art to be the biggest challenge for the space and what needs to be solved for in the near future right i don't know something about the experience something about the way it shows up in the marketplace the which it manifests itself whether it's in the matter I think that's where that's where the biggest opportunity is. Do you have a, an, an opinion on the matter? Do you have do you have a yeah? Do you have any thoughts about it? Look, I think if we zoom out, ultimately the biggest issue here is that we need IRL eyes on NFT art, and so anything that can bridge that gap, or merge those worlds, will ultimately bring bring more attention to the work. So obviously there are these various organizations putting on exhibits on screens in, in galleries in various parts of the world. And I see there now in, incredible digital displays. And I think I saw a coffee table the other day, which is actually a beautifully designed digital display table. But I think for mortal man, I think the metaverse, metaverses, the various ones are probably the, the key that unlocks more visibility because you do not need to be connected to a crypto wallet to view a gallery right it's something that you can share widely that you can use to generate interest in, in in work and i think as more people start to spend more time in various metaverses that will become something more easily able to be shared with people outside of nft crypto and that's the easiest mechanism i guess for viewing and sharing outside of the immediate group in in terms of the experience of that um yeah, I'm not qualified to comment on VR goggles or anything like that, but I think it's all coming. And I, I can only imagine that would in, enhance that. There, there has to be a merging between the VR experience and the metaverse and the viewing of art. I mean, and because all, each of these things are happening in their own right already, even in professional industries. So it's, uh, I guess it's just more exposure 
outside of we feel like we're in a bubble right and i think to to for everyone else to understand what we're doing there's got to be easy crossover that goes outwards and i can't think of it of a better way to view the work than through a metaverse type scenario because it's reasonably easy to understand Wow, it's Again, a I'm not sure if that specifically answers what you're asking, but I, I think that's... It does in a, in a big way, right? Because it is the crux, right? The dilemma, right? How do we get... It is about visibility more than anything, right? How do we get more IRL and, and folks, at, right? At the same time, I'm not diminishing any of the other platforms yeah. who yeah. are putting yeah. work out that that is able to be seen. Yeah. Know, because the relatability of a Web2 platform showcasing Web3 work, perhaps at this point in time, has a greater benefit because people can relate to it. But I do, and I've been quite surprised by this. I've been surprised at how natural it felt to be in a space, a virtual space, looking at art. And it's been something that's been voiced by other people as well as to how surprisingly natural it felt. Because yeah. I think there's a relatability there where you're actually standing and you can see the space around the work and you can appreciate the art yeah and but and then the question becomes is there a similar effort that needs to be done to bring the the digital work to the to the IRL space to an IRL space like a gallery do we insist on that do we expand on that or do we slowly shift away and focus more on the on the metaverse experience no my, my personal two cents with is the two have to work together because the IRL world is what holds the capital and the sort of ultimate win or lose to this situation if we keep inward focused we ultimately there's going to be a stopping point to that circle so anything that that's and i I think a number of these uh, uh, i can't think of the names to hand at the moment but i know this one in new york who's putting on big displays and there was stuff i had some work exhibited with with the modern analog at a display in 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 new york and i know a number of people have had their work on in in times square or whatever but the, the there has to be and I think this is just a general, not specifically to how we view art, but just the crypto art in general. There's got to be a bigger overlap to IRL yeah. to make it easy for people to understand the world. I agree with without that. Without having to spend 18 hours a day on Twitter. Yeah. And I wonder what the best format is. Is it a projection? Pro- <laughs> yeah. No, but I wonder what the best medium for that is. Is it projection? Is it like inf- infinite object solutions like digital frames or it's yeah, like a yeah. Samsung TV? Because to me, that, that changes the quality of the of the experience of the of the exhibit. Absolutely. And I think the other thing is a lot of the art is not static and therefore it, it, it demands a certain type of, of facility or object to display it but there's perhaps more opportunity there for this 100 percent, and i've been saying that all along i think that's the holy that's the one of the one of the holy grails that needs to be solved for the what is the medium or the the surface or the or or, or yeah the medium in which we display this uh, this digital work i think that without kind of going down the rabbit hole here i think just as i'm sitting here with you chatting looking at my laptop i think the ultimate answer is everybody's got a screen right in their home yeah. in their place of work when you create a physical exhibition it's fantastic but it's defined by a time period and a location and just I- immediately before you do anything else that then limits the visibility because it's, it, it is confined to that or yes you can live stream it or whatever but it's confined to that specific audience whereas as we were saying earlier the ability for people all over the world to get into one space yeah. and view things together just on a purely base level is a kind of fascinating medium for exposure yeah said for sure so we're approaching the, the one hour and 30 minutes we certainly covered a lot of ground it's been, really it's been a great conversation no for sure this is great but there's still there's still a couple more questions that i still want to get to and obviously we're wrapping it up right if you can share what you're working on at the moment that yeah that you may want to share with the audience yeah the i think off the back of ram there's probably a couple of projects that i'm looking at the moment and i haven't quite concluded how they're going to go but the, the one is bad land which is a, a kind of more of a retrospective photographic based project and then I am and have been for some time looking at some AI work which just haven't felt that it's quite right yet so I'm exploring multiple things and I think sometimes these things have a sort of crossover and because we're in the space where 
all of these different things are happening at the same time almost feels like a natural progression to start merging some of these things together. So I, I won't go any more than that, but there's certainly yeah. a, just, I, I guess, a recognition that we're in a new space, a new, there's a, there is something happening here that hasn't happened for ages. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. No, without and, a doubt. and I think it's astute to sit back and actually see, and it may not impact, but see to what degree that, that sort of impacts your traditional ways of thinking and maybe mixes things up a bit and allows you to take work in, into a new place. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. And so it's going to be a busy 2023 for you, right, Dub Zero? Yeah, I think it is. It's I think probably the biggest recognition, and this has been confirmed with a number of discussions, is that to truly create, you've got to put your bloody phone down and actually yeah. start making art. And I think, if anything, that's my short answer. You can't be truly creative if you're staring at Twitter all day. It's just true. It, it's a it's an oxymoron right. of sorts, I think. Right. I think we, and would we be looking forward to some releases, or are you just creating this year? No, I'm not going to put any sort of pressure on myself or any kind of any deadlines, but I think it's more important that what's put out, I feel some degree of just confirmation that it's really what I want to do. Because I, and, and I think especially in the AI side of things, it's easy to create work of a certain level, but you want it to have some longevity, perhaps timelessness of some degree. And I just, I just haven't got it yet to where I want it to be, where it feels, where I feel like it's on the same level as the other work yeah i know i think it's it sounds very humbling on your part right it sounds extremely authentic and and sincere right so i'm not going to put it out until i feel like it, it, it's ready to to meet the world i think the yeah. temptation's there all the time right it, yeah and but it's a it's something you got to work we've all got to work this out ourselves because it comes down to this is where it does get i think interesting and, and does get more commercial is you've got to work out the drop mechanics you've got to work out the price points the numbers that the, the, there is something interesting here which is different to real life that you can explore these other opportunities as to how you release work and i think the time has made me more aware of those than i perhaps was when i initially joined and now that has you just start thinking about that more carefully right <laughs> yeah. yeah okay and the last question, it's the one that everybody hates, but I, I like to ask it anyway, which is dub zero in one year, in five years, and in 20 years. Where do we find you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, yeah. I'll do the one year one first. I, I, okay. Honestly, to, to just still be in the space, to, keep, yeah. to, to have made this work, to still be allowing myself this amount of time in the space would be a, would be a, great, a great achievement for me at this point. Yeah, and I hope you do because it would be a great loss for the space not to have you here. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, and I think that's probably tied to, to the 5 and 20, which is r really, I think, relevancy, right, is, mm. is perhaps the word that I love when I heard that question because I, I, I think um, the space is moving so quickly. And from IRL, we obviously know that timelessness is the great, the great sort of judge of things. Remaining relevant as an artist with something to say um that is appropriate for the for the time and space that you're in is probably the best answer for the five and twenty question i think it's something we we all we all secretly want to remain have our work have meaning beyond just commercial success i think so that would be that would probably be that answer just yeah. considering con considering more the quality and the direction the relevancy of it in the hope that has a timelessness and a longevity would be the short answer <laughs> No, I think it's definitely something to aspire to, right? Because it has to longevity comes with 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 the topics and the the ideas that we explore and that we touch on through our art to continue to connect with the audience, right? And and to the extent that that they are relevant, right, to people's lives and to people's tastes and all, right? It's what's going to allow us to continue pushing, right? In your case, as an artist, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's as ambitious as it can be. So I think it's a, it's a very honest and a great answer, actually. So, so here's to, here to staying relevant, right, for the next 20 years and beyond. Yeah. So Thank you. And, yeah. and just a massive thank you more for your time and, and having this chat. It's very much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, and at no, the same I, time, maybe if I can just have a number of people who've helped me get to this point and they know right. who they are and just to thank them as well while we're on the chat. 
Yeah, no, listen, you're kidding me. It's been an honor to have you. It's been such a pleasure. I was so looking forward to our talk. As I said, I've been on the on the periphery, right? And looking in and taking a look at the community, getting to know all the participants, getting to know their art, collecting some of it, spending time researching your, your art in preparation of this talk so that one can come up with some sensible, right? And it's been nothing short of revelatory in a way, really looking at the deep meaning behind the work in your case. And like I said, there's a lot of artists that have touched on the relationship between men and in our architecture and the environment, but there's something very much more, what's the right word I'm looking for, much more engrossing in your work, right? That forces me to think of other elements, right? Like in the idea of aesthetics, of beauty, right? And and rethinking it, right? Outside of the typical conventions of what beautiful is, right? And yeah, and so I think it's been it's been an honor, nothing short of an honor to have you on, on the show. So I want to thank you for taking the time because it's been almost two hours. So uh, um, thank you. And, and yeah, thank you for so, giving me the time. It's very yeah. much appreciated. So thank you again, Dub Zero, and thank you everyone for tuning in. My name is Michele Colonna, I'm your host, and you can reach me at my Twitter handle, uh, mcolonna65, that's mcolonna65. Thank you again, and I'll see you all at the next, on the next show, the next episode of Scrapbook. Stay glitch, everybody.